Hi, folks. Be sure to visit my webpage at dr-history.com for over 440 true stories of the Old West. Also, now available on Amazon, my first book, a historical fiction based on true events entitled Coal Miner to Cowboy. The story of a young man born in England in 1850. He wants to be a cowboy and makes his way to America, travels from New Orleans to Independence on a steamboat, hires on as a teamster to Santa Fe, then on a cattle drive to Bozeman, Montana. He also rides shotgun on a stagecoach. He travels with a wagon train, and on his two-year journey, he meets some famous people and keeps a journal of his adventures. The book contains a lot of the true stories from my podcast and is now available on Amazon. Visit my webpage for a link to Amazon for the book, Coal Miner to Cowboy. Hi, folks. Dr. History here with another story from the Old West. You know, folks in Nebraska called it the school children's blizzard because it struck late in the afternoon and uh, students and teachers trying to get home, unfortunately, became its first victims. 200 people died in that dreadful storm, which began on January 12, 1888, and it went for three days. Now, Etta Shattuck, a teacher in Holt County, uh, took safety in a haystack where she remained trapped from Thursday afternoon until Sunday morning when a farmer came to get hay for his stock. Lois Royce in Pierce County took her three pupils and tried to reach her boarding house, which is only 100 yards from the schoolhouse. The wind blew them slightly off course, and they missed the house by a few feet. Well, they stumbled onto a haystack. Miss Royce tunneled in and pulled the children in after her. At daybreak, she dragged herself out over their dead bodies and crawled on her hands and knees to the house. Her hands and feet were so badly frozen, they had to be amputated. Minnie Mae Freeman of Valley County won national claim for the gallant way in which she led her 16 students to safety. When the storm struck, they made plans to spend the night in the schoolhouse. But at dusk, the wind blew the tin and tar paper roof off the sod building. Knowing they'd all freeze, Miss Freeman formed a line with herself at one end and a farm boy at the other. They literally dragged the small children to a farmhouse a half mile away. In Richardson County, the Baker brothers tried to get home from a store to their home, which is only several blocks away. The snow was so thick, it was like a white veil, they couldn't see three feet, three feet in any direction. Now, after wandering until they were nearly frozen, a barking dog led them to a hog shed where they took safety in among the pigs until they were rescued 13 hours later. Now, I'm going to tell this story uh, as it's told by uh, a lady by the name of Martha, who was age 7. She had a sister uh, who was 15, a brother Bobby, age 12. Uh, Anyway, this is her story, so I'm just going to tell it in her own words. She said, we were home that day because in Hitchcock County, District Number 3, There had only been enough funds for a three-month's term in the little sod schoolhouse on the banks of Driftwood Creek. She says, I remember that morning was as warm and mild as an Indian summer. Father and Bobby sawed wood in their shirt sleeves, so it was a fairly warm day. After dinner, Father and Bobby were obliged to go for a load of fodder a half mile away. She says, I grabbed my sunbonnet and climbed aboard the wagon with them. While Father tossed up the bundles of fodder, Bobby and I walked around, stamping it firmly into the rack. 
Suddenly, a dark cloud appeared on the horizon, rising swiftly to meet the sun. A gentle breeze began to stir the branches at the cottonwoods along Driftwood Creek. Almost immediately, the gentle breeze turned to a stiff wind, carrying large, moist flakes of snow. Looks like a change of weather, Father warned, tossing the bundles up swiftly. His words were blown away by a cold puff of wind, which transformed the wet flakes into pellets that struck our faces with the impact of pebbles. As she goes on to say, alarmed at the violent change and barely able to control his frightened team, Father headed for home at a stiff trot. By the time we reached the barnyard, snow was falling so fast we couldn't see our horses' heads. Father slid from the wagon and shouted above the wind, You children start carrying wood in while I unhitch. When the horses were safe in the barn, Father tied a rope from the barn to the kitchen so he could find his way through the storm at chore time. Bobby and I filled every available space in the sod kitchen with stove wood and piled big chunks against the wall of the log house for use in our big heating, heating stove. As an extra precaution, Father rolled some logs close to the kitchen door and brought the axe and saw inside. He'd come uh, homesteading from Iowa, and he knew about blizzards. Well, she continues on, the creek, the prairie, and the barn had now disappeared in snow. The cattle had gone into a huddle with their backs to the wind. Inside the house, everything was pretty good, pretty cozy. Now, not so lucky was the Charlie Burke family. Discouraged by drought, grasshoppers, and prairie fires, Charlie, on this warm spring-like morning, had decided to abandon his claim, loading his wife, four children, and a few household possessions into a covered wagon. He had headed back east to Fillmore County. Six miles from home, on the open prairie, the blizzard hit. It hit like a great white wall. The 60-mile-an-hour wind ripped the canvas cover from the wagon and sent it hurtling into space. The road, the prairie, the sky all disappeared. Familiar landmarks were lost. Canyons turned into crevices. In six hours, the temperature had dropped from 30 above to 6 below. Charlie wrapped his family in every available robe and quilt, then got out to walk and lead the team. Groping blindly, not knowing in what direction he was going or how far he might be from shelter, Charlie miraculously stumbled against a barbed wire fence. Reasoning that he would, that it would lead him to a habitation, he clung to the wire with freezing hands. By instinct, the team turned in at our barnyard gate and stopped abreast the load of fodder. Charlie knew the fodder meant a house was nearby. Our sod barn was only 10 feet from the load of fodder, but in the blinding storm and gathering dusk, it was invisible. Clinging to the lines to keep control of the wagon, Charlie reached out into the storm. Luckily, his hand came into contact with the side of the barn. Flattening himself against the wall, he felt his way inch by inch, searching for the door. When Charlie reached the door, he was unable to open it because of the rope which was connected to the house. He did, however, know the meaning of the rope. He clasped the rope in his numb hands and pushed out into the wind. She continues with the story. Above the howl of the blizzard, 
father recognized a strange mumbling at the lock and opened the door. It was Bobby who recognized him first and shouted, Charlie Burke, how did you get here? Charlie dropped into a chair and gasped, family, outside, wagon. Mother poured the man a cup of coffee to clear his brain enough that he could tell what had happened, while father was getting into his coat and boots. Then lighting the lantern, he and Charlie pushed out into the roaring darkness. Somehow, they managed to dig the family from beneath the robes and drifted snow. Mrs. Burke and the two older children could walk. The baby and four-year-old Jay had to be carried. Father and mother worked with pans of snow to thaw Charlie's frozen feet and hands. Later, the feet had to be amputated just in front of the heels. The two-year-old baby, already suffering from cold, developed pneumonia and died that night. The next morning, Friday the 13th, a weak sun penetrated the swirling haze enough to reveal an unfamiliar world. Only the tops of the fence posts were visible. The hogshed, chicken house, and sod barn were completely snowed under. A drift ten feet high covered the kitchen window and reached to the roof. Now a new dilemma confronted us. What to do with the little corpse, the little baby that had died? Obviously, it could not remain in the warm house, already overflowing with ten people. It was impossible to get to town to buy a casket, and Mrs. Burke was reluctant to put the baby outside without uh, anyone because of the packs of wolves and the coyotes that ventured almost to the doorstep. Well, my father solved the problem. The floor of the sod kitchen was made of boards a foot wide and an inch thick. Father took up a board on the floor and fashioned a small casket. Mother and Mrs. Burke patted it with a roll of cotton batting and tacked a piece of clean white sheet over it. Father took the little casket, stepped out into the storm. He dug deeply into the drift and lowered the box, covering it solidly with snow. It was six, six weeks before the uh, weather cleared enough to take the casket out to the cemetery. Now, folks, this is just one of many stories that happened during that, what we call the, the children's blizzard of 1888. Sad, but unfortunately, this is what faced many of the pioneers living out there in the, in the, on the prairie. So, folks, I hope we keep things in mind and keep our perspective, I guess, in mind of what's really important in this life. And I hope you enjoyed this story, but sad, about the children's blizzard of 1888. Thank you.